I'm Allie Burks, the worship leader for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast, featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive new faith community in Chatham County, North Carolina, committed to being with and for one another, our community, and the world. We gather for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 930 at House of Hops in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place at the local church, and we'd love to see you. Well, good morning, friends. Amen. (laughs) My name is Brent. I'm the pastor at the local church. We're so glad that you're here. Are you glad that you're here? Okay, good. That's a a leading question. Um, What a gift it is to have you all here in worship at the local church. Um, we're grateful for your presence. It makes us more whole. One of the things we say every week is that your, uh, your presence here, just by showing up, uh, changes us, changes this community, and it is a real gift to us. So thanks be to God that you are here this morning. The hope of this time and every time we get together is that um, uh, by your presence and by God's grace, you are changed, um, that you have some space in this time to breathe, to rest, to exhale, um, and then to be filled up that you might be sent into the world to, to love where you are, as we say, to, to put more love in the world and the places you find yourself working, playing, eating, sleeping every day, to be about God's work of loving where you are. So um, we hope that you experience that this morning uh, and every week that you uh, show up here at the local church. Thanks be to God for you. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place here. You belong here. And we give God thanks for each and every one of you this morning. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this time, for this beautiful fall morning in which we uh, delight. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear that which you have for us today, O God, that we might encounter glimpses of joy that point us to your inbreaking kingdom. Speak through me, beyond me, in spite of me, O God. Let your word dwell richly here. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So this week we are uh, rolling on with week five of our six-week sermon series. It's almost over. It's almost over. Uh, Week five is this week. We're calling it This is Fine, a series on hope for a world on fire. It's It's a series based on a cartoon, a meme from a few years ago with a dog whose house is on fire. Everything is burning down around him, and he has a cup of coffee, and uh, he just says, this is fine. This is fine. I'm going to keep drinking my coffee. This is fine. It's all fine. It's fine, okay? <laughs> it's the dog. And, 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 but the house is on fire, and if not right now, uh, maybe at one time or another in your life, you have felt like this. You have felt like the house is on fire, like everything is burning. Uh, maybe it's um, uh, something in your own life that has gone wrong or that has turned your world upside down. Maybe it's, it's that which you see on the news on a nightly basis, streaming as breaking news alerts on your phone. Maybe it's something a little bit more distant, but no less hurtful. And so in an effort to avoid simply sipping our coffee while turning a blind eye to the pain, a deaf ear, to what the Apostle Paul would call the groanings of creation. These few weeks in this series, we're asking a simple question. Where's the hope? Where's the hope? Where do we encounter hope when everything 
seems to be on fire? Where are those places that Jesus shows up in our lives and in our midst? What gifts have we been given to encounter hope? So, so far we've talked about community and water and Sabbath. And last week, anybody remember? Food? Yeah. This week we're talking about joy, about delight, delight, not, which, which, is, which is not just happiness, It's not just happiness. It's more than a feeling, right? It's not just pleasure. It's beyond that. It's something deeper and richer. Joy and delight. Joy and delight. It's it's more visceral, I think. And one of my heroes, um, if you know me, you know this, is a guy named Bono, who's the lead singer of a little Irish rock operation called uh, U2. Anybody ever heard of U2? Um, And uh, one of the things that Bono, I saw, he said once that has stuck with me for many years is, uh, he said, of joy, he said, joy is an act of defiance. Joy is an act of defiance. That line has clung to me in the best sort of way. Uh, And that's what we're talking about this morning. Joy is an act of defiance. Joy uh, and and delight as resistance to uh, the hurt that we see in the world, to the heartache Uh, that we might experience in the world, the the seeming hopelessness. Joy is an act of defiance. By the way, you won't believe the restraint it's taken to wait till week five to make a Bono reference. (laughs) Can we be proud of me? Well, let's dive right in. The scripture that Catherine read this morning uh, is commonly called the parable of the prodigal son. Remember, parables are stories that Jesus tells that lead to, point to a deeper truth and a deeper meaning. And, and the story of the prodigal son and the story of the lost son completes a trilogy that we began in week one of weekly worship. If you were here, uh, we talked about the story of the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the story of the prodigal son. Uh, sort of completes, rounds out that trilogy. Uh, when we talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin, we, we heard the story um, and talked about the great links that God goes to restore us to community, to find us and, and bring us home. Uh, and this week, with the story of the prodigal son from Luke's narrative retelling of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Luke's gospel, uh, uh, we get a different story. And it's the story that Jesus tells of a man with two sons, a man with two sons. And the younger son uh, says to his father, Dad, uh, give me my share of the inheritance. Give me my share of the inheritance. In other words, give me today what I would receive if you were to die. Give me what I'd get if you were to die today. And what he's essentially saying to his father is, you're dead to me. That's what those words mean. Give me my share of the inheritance. It's it's a statement of, of, you're dead to me, Dad. Uh, and so the father, out of love, does just that. He, he uh, divides up his property and gives, uh, what the son, gives to the son what, what he would owe him, uh, what he would receive. And the son, a few days later, takes off, takes off, cutting himself off from his family, cutting off his relationship. He just leaves. He just leaves. And while he's there, while he's gone, he squanders everything. You heard the story. He, he wastes it away until there's nothing left, and it only gets worse from there. Talk about a house on fire, right? The story says that there's a famine, and so he doesn't have anything to eat. Uh, he ends up uh, hiring himself out um, to just feed pigs, just feed pigs, which in ancient Jewish culture is, is the lowest of the low, to, to be among pigs and to have to feed them. And, and he's feeding the pigs, and he doesn't have anything to eat himself, And when he sees the pigs 
eating, and he doesn't have anything to eat. He, he does some introspection. Jesus uses this, uh, this phrase, this beautiful phrase, he comes to himself. He comes to himself. Another way to think about it, he returns to himself. He, he comes home to himself. He remembers who he is. Those, those seeds that were planted long ago sort of begin to sprout. He comes to himself, and, and he vows to go back, to return home, confess everything with hope that the Father will throw him a bone or something. You can almost imagine him practicing his speech as he walks home, going over his lines again and again and again. But before he can deliver those lines, his father seized him. And, and we don't know how long the father had been waiting. I love to imagine this story. Like, did the father go out every day at the same time, just waiting? Was it a sort of ritual for him? Hoping against hope that, that, that the, that wasn't a mirage, that it would actually be his son, his flesh and blood, staring out for some sign that, that his son is still alive. And then one day, he does. What does he do? The moment, the instant he sees him, he takes off running, drops everything, and just makes a run for it. Before you know it, the father's arms are enveloping the son, embracing the son, celebrating his return. And there's more to the story that Catherine didn't read, like uh, uh, about the celebration, the banquet that, uh, that they have, and then the older son. Anybody else an older son? An older child? Yeah? With a constant chip on your shoulder? Is that just me? Um, who says, wait, I've been here the whole time. What about me? What about me, Dad? Are you kidding me? So there's more to the story, but, uh, and we could hear this story each week and, and take a different angle, um, take a, a different nuance and, and unpack it. But what strikes me for purposes of this week and, and a conversation about joy and delight is the father's running. The father's running. Here's what you need to know. In, uh, in ancient Palestine, uh, grown men don't run. In ancient Palestine, it's just not something that grown men do. You don't run. It, it was seen as undignified. It was unseemly, unbecoming. It, it would have been considered improper. It just didn't happen. And that's why when the father drops everything and runs, that's important. It's significant. It demonstrates the, the unbridled joy that the father has in seeing his son return. The sense of delight, the, the hope overflowing, the light in the midst of darkness, piercing the darkness. He, he can't contain his joy, and so he takes off. It reminds me of well, uh, when we talked about Sabbath two weeks ago. Remember that? Anybody who was here? We talked about Sabbath, and we talked about um, uh, how our souls need a reset, uh, like a Nintendo cartridge that you blow in or, or a modem that you unplug and wait 30 seconds and plug back in. Our souls need that time of rest to reset our priorities, to reorder uh, our perspective as well. But there's another understanding of Sabbath that I didn't get into two weeks ago because I was waiting for this morning. Uh, and that's an understanding of Sabbath that is Sabbath as delight. Sabbath as delight. Beyond rest, Sabbath as delight. And the idea is this. If you remember the story from two weeks ago, we talked about how in, uh, in the original creation narrative, beginning in, in the first chapter of Genesis, the story goes that uh, in six days, God made what? The, the, the light and the darkness, the day and the night, the land and the sea, the flora, fauna, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, right? And, and then human beings, and God said, that's very good. 
And then on the seventh day, God didn't just rest from God's labor. God didn't just kick back and take a nap, but God delighted. On that seventh day, God delighted in all that God had made. God played in it and called it very good. It's another understanding of Sabbath then, that seventh day and what happens. God doesn't just rest, but God delights in it. God sees all that God has made, which is just an outpouring of God's love. And God can't help but to delight in it because it comes from God. It's the manifestation of God's, uh, God's love. And in God's eyes, in God's eyes, all of creation is good. It's delightful, full, filled with, worthy of delight. And because the father standing at the edge of the driveway waiting is able to see through God's eyes at the first glimpse of his son, he takes off. He's delighted. It's unbridled. The joy, the delight, the outpouring of love cannot be contained. And so he drops everything and takes off. God delights. The father does too. That's why he runs. That's why he runs. But there's another thing I think it's uh, interesting to, to think about when we, um, when we think about the father running, and that's that we don't hear the rest of the story, right? There, there's likely more to the story that's happening here um, that we don't get, that Jesus doesn't tell us. Like, what happens after the banquet? What happens after the celebration? But if we were to play with the passage a little bit and, uh, and think about it some, Fill in the blanks with our own experience and our own uh, journeys of life and faith. Maybe even bring it into our context. We might start to ask ourselves some questions. Questions that inevitably arise when, uh, when you're talking about joy and delight. Questions the, the older son might have had himself. How can you feel joy? How can you delight in a time like this? How can you, how can you experience joy in a time like this? Anybody ever have that question? There's a great book called The Book of Joy written uh, by, it's a conversation between the Dalai Lama and uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and, and they're talking about how they have experienced joy in the midst of hard things. And that's one of the questions that sort of pervades every, every page of that book is how do you feel joy? How do you feel uh, a delight in a time like this? Don't you see? He's cut himself off from his family. He's, he's uh, broken relationships. He's, he's wasted everything you've gave him. He, he, he's tore, torn our family apart. Then maybe you zoom out some. You think about our context. When things don't look much better when the world is on fire, right? People are dying, leaving home, fleeing violence, refugees running from their lives. Hundreds of millions of people around the world. Hundreds of millions of people. 700 million people. Uh, uh, don't have access to clean drinking water. 800 million people around the world uh, don't have enough to eat. When you look at our own community, 10,000 people here in Chatham County live at or below the poverty line. 10,000 here in Chatham County. One in five kids in our community is food insecure. Zach's a reporter. He's going he's gonna to fact check all of this. <laughs> One in five. Um, when you look at our schools, one in three high school students in Chatham County has reported that they feel sad or hopeless for a period, an extended period of time in the last year. One in three. In North Carolina, nearly uh, half of all students statewide, nearly half of all students who identify as LGBTQ have reported that they um, are thinking about ending their life. 
almost half in North Carolina. So how can you talk about joy and delight in a time like this? It's a fair question. And when the father runs to the son and embraces him, yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it is a moment of radical grace. Yes, there's unbridled joy, but there's also still work to do. And the joy doesn't negate that, right? It's not mutually exclusive. It's not a zero-sum game. There's no doubt that pain lingers. There's no doubt that relationships will take some time to repair. There's no doubt that all is still not as it should be. It's not a, not a magic wand. Joy is not a magic wand, but it's a glimpse of what's possible. That's what delight is. It's a glimpse of what's possible. It points to a different reality, a vision of something emerging from the ashes of what has burned down. It's a, it's a sign of resurrection, however fleeting. And that's delight, unbridled and inexplicable joy that points to a new reality, a new world in breaking that we might call the kingdom of God, the dream of God, becoming a reality in our midst. If just for a moment, when we experience delight, if just for a moment, we see the world as God sees it. See the world as God sees it. There's a, a writer named Ross Gay, who has, uh, he's a poet and a writer, and he's just written, uh, this book came out a couple months ago called The Book of Delights. The Book of Delights. And it is, in fact, a delightful book. He started writing this book on his uh, 42nd birthday. And, and what he said was, I'm going to write an essay on delight every day for a year. Uh, write an essay on the things that bring me delight. Uh, the ways that I experience and encounter delight. There are not 365 entries in here. So he missed a few days. Um, but, but what he says uh, in this book is that delight is a muscle that needs to be developed. It needs to be worked. And what I love about it, what I love about this book is in particular is that in the midst of the delight that he writes about, he doesn't shy away from hard things. He still talks about racism. He still talks about death. He still talks about injustice and the reality of it all. But it doesn't have the final say. It doesn't have the final say. The, the delight uh, in the midst of it all, he's still able to find it and to experience it. He says that uh, delight helps him engage with the world on a deeper level, helps him feel delight a little bit more. Because when you can encounter the hard things, the delight becomes more delightful, right? And at the same time, he says that um, delight keeps, in a world that is as hard as ours is, delight keeps him from growing hard, keeps his heart from hardening. Delight shows us what else is possible. In the book, uh, he plays with the word delight. And I think this is interesting for our conversation this morning. He plays with the word delight. He calls this a false etymology. So this is not right, but it's, a, it's an interesting way <laughs> of thinking about it. This is a false etymology. He, um, he plays with the word delight uh, and that prefix of D-E, delight, uh, and thinks about how uh, that prefix can mean of or it can mean without. It can mean of or without. So we think about delight, we can think about things that are of light, things that are without light. I think this works well this morning because perhaps to delight in something, to see one another in all of creation as God sees it, the manifestation of God's love, to experience that joy, however fleeting, is simply to see places of light 
in places that seem to be without light. Maybe when we experience joy, what's happening is we are seeing places of light in places that seem to be without light. And when we do that, I wonder if we're actually noticing where Jesus, who is the light of the world, has been the whole time, trying to get our attention, waving us down. Hey, look here, look here, light (laughs) right here. Maybe every time we feel that feeling of delight, that unbridled joy where, where light pierces the darkness and shines through the cracks of our fractured world, maybe that's Jesus inviting us to come closer and to see with the eyes of God. When we feel delight, perhaps it's an invitation to then take our own light and shine it there so that others might see that the worst thing is not the last thing that we might point to a deeper, a richer reality of what is yet to come, the dream of God becoming a reality in our time and place, to point out places of light in the world. I wonder, I wonder if in that way Jesus comes close to us again and again and again. So where would you shine your light? Where would you find that light? Where have you found delight? That, that unexplainable, inexplicable feeling viscerally of, of joy, palpable. Where have you experienced that? Where is Jesus showing up? I think about my friend Heather, uh, who recently told me about an organization called Free Mom Hugs. Anybody familiar with Free Mom Hugs? It's where moms and dads across the country sign up to to stand in as the parents of LGBTQ persons who have been disowned or cut off from their families. They, They stand in the gap as moms and dads running toward kids who could use some love and offering and embrace, offering hugs for free, offering unbridled joy, simply delighting in who they are. And it's an amazing and vibrant organization my friend Heather told me about, free mom hugs. And and I can't help but think about the embrace of the father uh, at the end of the driveway, delighting in his son, saying, welcome home. I delight in you. And I also think about something that happened this week. This is me shining my light, right? Um, Something that happened this week in Wilmington. North Carolina. It happens every week in Wilmington. Actually, our friend Randy Evans, who runs a ministry there called Walking Tall Wilmington. Randy was here celebrating with us the first Sunday that we launched weekly worship. Uh, He runs an amazing ministry there called Walking Tall, in which he shares a meal with his friends, he says. These friends happen to be unsheltered, without homes. Uh, And every day, uh, by the river, he provides uh, a meal for his friends who need a meal. Uh, It's what Jesus would do. And it happens every week, except this week, something different happened. Uh, This week, someone took notice. And and it wasn't just anyone. It was the actress Jamie Lee Curtis. Do we have the picture? There it is. She's been there filming a movie in Wilmington. And every day, she walks by where they have uh, a meal. And this week, she stopped. She delighted in what was happening. And she met Randy and talked to him. Uh, And then she posted about it on her Instagram and her Facebook, and it blew up. Randy's, uh, when I talked to him just a couple days ago, he said that uh, the whole trajectory of uh, Walking Tall has changed now. Uh, He was on Headline News earlier this week. They interviewed him about it um, because Jamie Lee Curtis, the actress, chose to shine her light to say this 
is what we should delight in. This is where Jamie Lee didn't use these words, but, but we might. This is where Jesus is showing up, right? This is pointing to something new. It doesn't fix everything, but it points to a new and different reality. She delighted in it, showed the world something good and beautiful and of light, the light of Jesus. Hope is breaking through all the time. And when we encounter delight and unbridled joy, the gifts of God, God is inviting you and me and all of us to shine our light then, to see where God is at work in the world, to catch a glimpse of God's dream, to, to run toward it and embrace it, and then to tell about it. It's this Holy Spirit. That's what that wind is that you feel. <laughs> so in a world on fire, in a world on fire, where do you delight? And where will you shine your light? Amen. Hey, it's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about the local church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Local Church PBO. Until next time, love where you are.